Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sotastic Podcast. My name is Roshan Hindia. Today, we have uh, an awesome guest with us. His name is Quantes Watts. And you know what? Uh, we actually had a chance to talk a couple of weeks ago. And some of the things that Quantes is doing with, um, with his finance background, with his family, with his kids, you know, it, it just made me want to ask him to come on our podcast and get some tips and advice from him. So welcome, Quantes. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate this opportunity to spread some wealth and knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get the feeling you're going to be adding a lot of value. So thank you. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Probably. So why don't we do this? Before we start with anything else, why don't we learn a little bit more about you and your family and your background? Sure. Uh, my name is Quantes Watts. Everybody calls me Q. Uh, for obvious reasons. I am the HR director for a large chemical company here in, in the area. And, um, you know, I'm new to HR in a sense. I've been in HR for the last five years. I became HR director about three years ago, and it's been a, a wild ride. But prior to that, I was uh, started my career out in accounting, uh, moved over to treasury, and then I moved over to credit. So I'm a, kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to finance. I think I found my passion in HR though, and, you know, teaching. And uh, I used to be a, a teacher when I was in college. Uh, I taught classes uh, like tutors. I was a tutor and, you know, it, it was a passion of mine. It was one thing that I always wanted to do. And I think HR satisfies that goal. I'm able to mentor people in my job. I'm able to coach people. And that's something that I've always been passionate about. Wow. Nice. And I guess the other part of my life is my wife. She's a big part of my life and, and we have a blended family. We have two older children uh, that are in the Air Force. We have two teenagers that are almost ready to graduate from high school. And then we have a daughter together uh, who is seven years old. Wow. Okay. So, and then you were telling me you also have extended family with lots of nieces and nephews and cousins that are oh, sort yeah. of the similar age, right? Yeah. So just to give you a flavor of that, my, my, my wife is the 11th child of a family. Wow. So hmm. she has a lot of nieces and nephews, uh, now great nieces and nephews, because they're now having, starting to have children. So yeah, we have a, a really big family. So, so you have an HR background, but in college, you, uh, you have a finance background. So can you help me understand uh, why was it important for you to sow that financial knowledge into your kids? Like what was your philosophy and mindset behind it? Yeah, so growing up, I, I grew up in Mississippi and Chicago. So I moved to Chicago when I was probably around eight years old. And growing up in uh, Chicago is not easy, right? It's a little tough. As we all know, it's still tough, uh, even in this day and age. It was important for me to, to instill that financial knowledge within our children, uh, mainly because it wasn't instilled in me. I had to get it through school books or hard lessons and hard learnings. And my philosophy has always been, uh, why go through the, the hard way when somebody can show you a better way? You know, not an easy way, but a better way. And all of my, my children know that my motto is do it right the first time because you probably don't want to do it right the second time. That's the way I view it. That's the way I see it. And my children know that uh, if they come to us for money, they better bring a bank statement because we're going to check your finances. And growing up, uh, you said you didn't have like a financial mentor to help you out, right? I did not. I never had like a person in front of me that really knew a lot about finances. It was more day-to-day, -day, how do I handle this? For my parents, it was just like, you know, hey, we got a bank account, we got a savings account, we got a 401k. There's not really much that we need to do. But they never instilled that teaching downward. It's one of those lessons, I think, that 
if it comes from your parents, it's going to stick with you a lot longer mm. than a financial advisor telling you what you did wrong. Mm. And, and this is what you need to do right. So, yeah, I, I think that lesson is well learned early in life. It's one of those things that I think you're never too young to start learning how to save. Mm. Our daughter is seven years old, so I want to instill that into her now. And I think we'll talk about it later, maybe. But I think she has some good lessons that she is. Uh, we're starting to see the benefits of. Hmm. You know, in my case, I just made a lot of what I call dumb mistakes. I, I made my very first like five ten k, and first thing I did was instead of saving it, I just said I'll buy the a sports car that I can get. Not really a, a, a sports car, <laughs> right? So I will look amazing. People will like me. People love me. I'll fit in. But you make silly financial decisions because that perceived notion of how you should be, right? When you were learning through school and learning learning through uh, financial knowledge, did you did you get that just researching on your own, just doing trial and error? Yeah. So you and I are very similar in that sense. I, although I didn't go for the the red sports car or, or the flashy sports car, I was more of a where can I go on vacation and what type of electronic gadget I can buy. Yeah. Right. So. When I was in college, I, I was also working um, two jobs, right? So I was working at Harris Bank. So I had two incomes. And then when I graduated from college, I continued to work on the weekends at Harris Bank. Uh, so I had two, like a part-time income and I had a full-time income, even though I wasn't making much money fresh out of college. But to me, that was a lot of money. And I'm like, wow, you know, instead of saving and investing in 401k, I was wondering, what can I buy? Right. What what can I what can I do to enhance my life? And it was very quickly, shortly after that, I had all this knowledge, this book knowledge, but I had no real life experience. Right. I had no lessons to tell me that I was doing something wrong. It was only when I I think I saw my first credit card bill and it was like five thousand dollars. And I said, whoa, (laughs) and I got to pay this back at, you know, I think that at that point it was somewhere around 18 percent. Mm-hmm. which is low compared to the race today. And I could not believe that I was in that much debt. And and then at that time, student loans came due. Mm-hmm. And that was another lesson, right? It was like, okay, I got student loans, I got a credit card bill, and I got a rent payment that's due. Mm-hmm. So I, I very quickly had to understand, I need to put this in a spreadsheet. I need to understand, you know, when I go to the ATM, how much can I take out? What do I need to budget for food? What do I need to budget for like uh, utilities? Very quickly, I had to understand that if I don't put this in a, a format that is conducive for my lifestyle, I am going to be living back at home very quickly. <laughs> and that was not a place I wanted to be. So uh, parents that are that are trying to have their kids focus solely on school education, you know, math, English, history, social studies, they don't really give finance as much importance until college time when they're like, hey, uh, son or daughter, you need to learn about uh, college loans and debt and credit card and everything else. Now that you are mentoring your extended family and your kids, how do you fight that notion that you don't need financial education when you actually really need it to survive? The, the way I combat that is I, I try to express to parents that it's equally important that they learn, that your children learn financial literacy as it is to learn math and science and reading, you know, because financial literacy will will ruin you if you don't know it. And it will ruin you quicker than you not knowing how to read. 
mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They're all equally important. I won't put one over the other. That's why I say you need to teach them. And it, it generally should come from the parent first. But mm-hmm. then the, the, the child can can foster that by going outside, asking their teachers about courses that they can take to help uh, improve that literacy. Mm-hmm. And if, if the parents don't start, and I think it starts at home with a very small, small message. Parents should freeze their kids' credit when they're very young. And they should freeze it until they're 18 and ready to apply for a loan if mm-hmm. they're going to go to college and they need to apply. They should freeze it until that point. Because you don't want to surprise somebody stealing your kid's social security number. And then when they're ready to go to college, they find out that they got $200,000 worth of debt. That's a very simple rule that you all parents should do. And, mm-hmm. and it's free. It's not like you need to pay a fee or anything like that. But that financial literacy that, that your parents can instill in you, I mentioned earlier, it will go far. And kids will, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a learning a second language. You know, when you learn at a young age, that language is very easy to learn because your, your, your mind is like a sponge. If, imagine giving your kids all the financial literacy tools that they need at an early age, and then they just take that and it, it just grows. And that's what I try and do. Wow, nice. Well put, very well put. Thank you. So let's let's go from the mindset to some of the practical things that you started doing. So how did you start um, teaching your kids, your extended family? What were some of the things that you started off with? to teach them finances. So for the older children, we started when they were teenagers and we started out with a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet is a budget. (laughs) It was a a fictitious budget. And and we basically, we did like the old Cosby show. We say, okay, we're going to give you this amount of money and Mm -hmm. we want you to budget it. This is your income. It's going to come every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So you have a biweekly income. I want you to plot it in this spreadsheet and here's your expenses for the month. You, You have to make sure that they get paid and you tell me what's left over and what you're gonna do with it. And at the very top, you have income, and then you have expenses, and then you have uh, net take home or whatever we called it, I can't remember. And then at, then below that, it was a line item for savings, and it was a line item for 401k. And I was waiting for them to t- ask me, what is 401k, mm-hmm. right? So once we gave them the spreadsheet, then it was a matter of them populating it. So we would come back a month later and say, okay, show me your budget. And then they asked me what a 401k was. And I, Mm. at that point I explained to them, I gave them some slides. I said, this is what a 401k is. It's free money. And they said, no, no way. I said, oh yeah, if you get with a company, they'll match you dollar for dollar. So imagine somebody, every time you save a dollar, they're going to give you a dollar. Mm. Can you pass that up? They said, no way. But people like, you know, our children, they didn't know that there was free money out there. We have we have uh, grandparents that did not know that they can contribute to a 401k. My grandmother uh, did not know that. My mother-in-law did not know that. And, and it's because nobody pulled them aside and taught them. So what we do is we literally give them that budget. And that budget is, is something that we we carry forward. So they every month they would have to submit their budget if they wanted any allowance or anything. Okay, so so you forced them to actually not just keep it, manage it, but also then share it with you, right? And then yes. did you have them talk, explain, or justify some of their expenses? Yeah, so we tried to make it as real as possible. So teenagers being teenagers, we we basically, okay, 
what if you want a new pair of shoes? How much do they cost? Can you budget that? Can you put that into your budget to make sure that you can basically save for it? Right. Mm -hmm. So we want them to get the idea that if you want something, you just can't go spend it because you have money in your savings. And the, the idea was to don't touch your savings at no point unless mm -hmm. it's, it's an extreme emergency. And we had them quantify what the term emergency means. Right. Mm -hmm. Because an emergency to them may be different than an emergency to me. Mm -hmm. So my idea of an emergency could be, hey, I was in a car accident. I got to pay uh, some type of insurance bill or something like that, or medical bill. That's an emergency. To them, an emergency may be, I need to go to this dance and I don't have shoes, right? So we had them quantify what an emergency is okay. and, and write that in the budget and say, okay, you are not to touch this line item. It meets this criteria. So that way they understand that this is a savings. I cannot touch it. And that lesson will go far because when they get older and they get a, a, a real bank account, hopefully they'll have the same idea. So did you have them... In order to manage and maintain this, did you actually have them open up a checking account, a savings account? Like, did you have them mm -hmm. open up account, or was it just like an envelope or something that you had them keep on the side that were essentially? No, so we had accounts? both. Yeah, we had both. So they they already had a a, a checking account, a kids checking account, but mm -hmm. this was totally separate of that. So the ch kids checking account, we would put money in there if uh, based on their performance in school, based on their performance around the house. So money would go in there periodically and they would they had their own card for it and everything. But the the spreadsheet, we we kept that as kind of like a game. So every week we would send them something that say, OK, here's your expenses for the week for the week. And you have to plot those into your budget. Here's your uh, expenditures, meaning things that you want to do. You want to go downtown. OK, how much is that going to cost? Here's here's a list of those things plotted into your budget. And then tell me what you have left over and how you're going to manage that. And then they had to make tough choices. They said, well, I can't do that because this is all the money I have. And, and they knew when they were running close to negatives, we wanted them to make sure that they understood that you have to have a threshold where you don't want to go below in your checking account. Mm -hmm. And they have to determine what that threshold is. And that threshold will determine what they can do with their money. Mm -hmm. But that's a lesson that they had to learn. They had to understand that, hey, I can't do and the math tells me I can't do this. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where math becomes important because they have to understand that this these numbers don't add up. They're they're turning uh, red. <laughs> they're not they're not staying black. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that's how we, we talk. Well, so this actually um, taught them a handful of things. One is definitely, you know, their needs versus wants. The, the idea of do I need it or do I just want it? Mm -hmm. Right. Second is, I mean, budgeting as a whole. Right. Third uh, idea of delayed gratification. If I really want it and it's out of my budget, can I save up to it versus spending right. that money now on, you know, like uh, going out to or going out to a restaurant or picking up, uh, you know, a couple pair of shoes or something? So work their right. way up to it, right? Um, so that that that's awesome. That's awesome. And, yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about the uh, needs versus wants, right? Because we try to instill a little bit of spirituality into this as well by mm. giving them needs and wants and understanding what are your spiritual needs mm. because you're going to be happy whether you have a new pair of shoes or not. So you have to look at it from a perspective of what makes you happy is not a pair of shoes, right? So make sure that you understand the difference when you are budgeting because that will help you determine 
what you need versus what you want. Wow. Okay. Okay. You started doing this with your teenagers. How early? At what age? So like as soon as they 13. were 13? Okay. Yeah, 13. Yeah. And then you continued doing that up till um, up till like 18 and beyond? Like how long did you do it? Until they left the house. Until <laughs> mm. until they walked out the door. You know, and even to this day, um, I mentioned earlier, they need to show us a bank account if they come and ask for money because many parents will know just because your kids leave home don't mean that they leave you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that string that's attached to your wallet is still going to be there. Mm -hmm. So if they if they ever ask us for money, the first thing we ask is, well, what have you been doing with your money? Right. Mm -hmm. So we want to see that bank account over the last two months mm -hmm. to see what they have been spending their money on. And we'll know right away. We, 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 we kind of do a mini audit <laughs> of their financials mm -hmm. in two months. Right. So we want to make sure that they're they're appropriately saving. We, we want to see a transfer to savings. We don't want to see a transfer out of savings because mm -hmm. that, that will let us know right away that they're spending their money on the wrong things. So when they ask us for money, it, it, it needs to be an emergency. Wow. And they know okay. that. So so they're they're very cautious about asking us hmm. <laughs> because then they have to open up and be transparent. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They have to submit to the audit. <laughs> And when you have gone through uh, cases like those, I mean, do you try to make that a little bit of a gentle touch on them? Yeah, or I mean, at the like, end of the day, they're... No wonder. This is why, you know? Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, there are kids, right? So you don't want to be mean on purpose. Um, you want to always give them lessons, but, you know, there are kids. You, you want to help them where needed. And, and some of the help uh, that parents give, they need to be careful because... You don't want kids to grow up with expectations that you're always going to bail them out, right? And if you constantly give them money, that's exactly what you will get. You will get a, a child that expects you to bail them out regardless of what they do. And that's not us. We're, we're not going to do that. You're going to have to live up to your mistakes. And if you make them, you have to own them. That's kind of what we try to prevent. But sometimes the best lesson is a, a, a mistake. Right. Life life will give you mistakes is all about how you deal with it. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we want to make sure that they understand is that we're going to always be there mm -hmm. for you. But at the same time, you have to own your own mistakes and you're not going to we're not going to be your safety net all the time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's gentle in a in a if you want to count a, a nudge, uh, because that's what it is. It's a it's a love tap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. T t teaching them gracefully, I guess, you know, but uh, sometimes it's tough love. Yes. So, okay. The, uh, before we move on to the next question, I, you said a phrase that I, I want to sort of dig in deeper on. You mentioned your, you gave performance-based allowance. Help me understand that uh, concept, please. <laughs> so when I was growing up as a child, we got allowances every week. It was, I think it was $5 until we were about 13. So that $5, you know, it got us video games. You know, I grew up in the 80s where video games were popular. So if five, if I got $5 a week, I could play video games all week, right? And I could buy candy or whatever it was. So $5 was a lot. There was no type of metric that I needed to meet. I wasn't a bad student. I was a bored student. Uh, I, I think I was one of those kids that, you know, I was bored with school because it didn't teach me anything new. So I was a little bored and my teachers knew it, 
right? I was on uh, academic Olympic teams and I still was bored. Wow. So when I, when I, I always said this, when I, when I grow up, if I have kids, I'm going to make sure that they meet a certain criteria in order to get an allowance. So when I say performance-based, I mean all across the board. So my son, for instance, he's 17. Uh, his allowance was based on how well he is as a man, meaning do you hold the door for a woman? Do you help somebody out that needs help? Do you mow the grass without me telling you? Do you, uh, you know, shovel the snow? How well you treat your sister? You know, all things that are good characteristics of a man. So that's how I judge him. And if there's something that he doesn't do, uh, I let him know right away. I don't wait until the allowance comes out and say, hey, you didn't do this. I give him instant feedback. So that way he knows not to repeat that or he knows to do better next time. So that's what I mean by performance. For, for my daughters, it's very simple. I, I want to make sure that they're not bullies. I want to make sure that they're good people mm. and that they are uh, treating each other well and treating their, their friends well and mm. making sure that they're making right decisions when it comes to boys. Mm. You know, so it's, it's those things like that. When I say performance face, it's, it's all across the board. Mm. You're incentivizing good manners, good behavior. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes parents have a tendency to uh, think, well, why should I give my kids allowance? They don't need it. They're staying in the house. They get all the things that they want. And sometimes I push back because you can give allowance as a way of teaching them good things. You know, like uh, with uh, my daughter, with my kids, we also do what we call like exceptional rewards. So when they do exceptional things, they get exceptional rewards versus just the normal things that they would get, right? How early did you uh, start giving allowance to your kids? At what age? I think it was when they turned 13, we saw a need where they needed money, right? They, they, they were doing things with other kids that required money. So we mm -hmm. felt now's the time to put some uh, emphasis behind currency, like what the value of a currency is. There, there are things like that where you're not going to need to put a certain date on it. Mm -hmm. it. It will represent itself. So you'll know when the time is right. I know some parents give kids uh, money as early as eight or six. Mm. I don't know if that's appropriate because most kids don't know what money, the value of a dollar is at that point. You can teach them, but most kids won't get it until they're a little bit older. When they're able to spend the money and understand subtraction, understand that th this is what I get back if I pay for this. One of the things I like to say though, when the decision was made to start giving allowances, we also had a decision where we had these certain nights per week where we would have no consequences Wednesday. Hmm. And what that meant was you can tell us anything and there will be no repercussions, no consequences. We won't ever mention it again, but it was like an open mic forum. Hmm. And that allowed us to really for our children to trust us. Right. Because after maybe two or three iterations, there were no repercussions. They, they believed us when we said that. So they were able to open up to us about various things, whether it's bullying or some kid at the school that they like. You know, it was hard to listen to mm. at times, especially for a dad, you know, but at the same time, we were able to gain their trust mm. and they trusted us. We trusted them. So when we introduced money into that, you want to be able to trust them financially with money. It was a lot easier because we already had that built up. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so what were some of the challenges you ran into or you you find yourself running into when you teach you know extended family 
main challenge is uh, social, the social aspect of the need for money, right? It, the expectation from parents uh, by their children in today's society was the main challenge. Children today, they expect their parents to, to give them everything. And, and that's predicated on social media. Kids on social media, they have everything, they see everything, mm -hmm. uh, and they expect that their parents should give them the same. You know, you see things like, you know, 16th birthday or the 15th birthday for quinceanera. It's lavish. It's over the top, you know, and most kids expect that to happen in their daily life. So when they don't get it, they don't understand it and they, they get temperamental. So dealing with tempers around money and what it can give you was the main obstacle. Okay. Do you find, was it a different challenge with your kids versus extended family? Because when you tried introducing finances to your kids, like, was there an initial, like they weren't fully grasping the necessity for it or the appreciation for it? Were there any challenges of having them take it seriously, as seriously as you want them to take it? Yeah, I think the extended family took it more serious than the, the, the immediate family, hmm. mainly because we were Santa Claus, right? We, we are the people that put the money in. So why can't we do it? Why do I have to do this stupid spreadsheet? Or why do I have to talk about my feelings? Or why do I have to act like a, a upstanding young man or young woman in order to get your money? You know, when you pass away, aren't you just going to give me all your money? Those were the comments and questions that we got initially. So it wasn't easy. I would encourage any parent to stick with it. If you're going to go down this path, you want to do it right because you're talking about your kid's future. This is just as important as what college they choose. And I know most parents, when they when their kid is ready to take that step to college, they want to be involved. They want to, you know, most dads, they want to drive them to a campus and show them what it's like to live on a campus. This is just as important. You take this road, you want to make sure you do it right. And if you do it wrong, you're you're potentially ruining their financial future. And that's something that's going to fall back on you as a parent, because they're going to be right back in your basement or in your home or in their room. <laughs> and that's not something you want. You want your kid to go off to college and not come back. And as sad as that may sound, that's life. You want your kid to progress in life. And if they're not progressing, they're they're regressing back to your home. And it's not what any parent wants. Yes. Well, it, so, yeah, it's to answer your question, I think it was more difficult for our kids because they just, they're so used to us doing everything. Whereas our nieces and nephews and cousins, we're just, you know, the people that come around. But when we came around and we taught them this, they were very appreciative. Hmm. I'm curious about how you extended financial education idea to your family. Was it you proposing it to extended family to say, hey, cousin, uncle, listen, you have kids, let me teach them. Like, was it you proposing that idea? Was it them approaching you a little bit? So I mentioned earlier, we saw we saw a need. It was like we had a cluster of uh, nieces and nephews that were all within three years of each other. So they are all, you know, in the early 20s, late teens uh, that we felt needed this education. So one of the things that we, my wife and I kind of talked about it and we, we put together some, some presentations and slides and uh, spreadsheets and we were like, let's talk to the parents first, right? Hmm. So we, we talked to the parents and the parents were all on board. They were like, oh, please do this hmm. <laughs> right away, right? So they, they wanted this done like yesterday. And so one day we, uh, I, I know her sister had a, a function 
and we she she has a get together and and we're in the basement and we just pull it out and close the door and basically they were our victims our our, our guinea pigs and they didn't expect it and we just we kind of say hey we're here to show you something that we think will benefit you later on in life and and actually it has because some of them now are parents you know they're in their late 20s and, and keep in mind th this generation that i'm talking about was millennials they're the children of generation x which is my generation and they're the most educated generation so far in the world and they they should expect more out of life and they do expect more but at the same time they're entitled on some level mm -hmm. so you got to strip out that entitlement and and replace it with something that's a little bit more tangible mm -hmm. and that's what we tried to do it says a lot that you were considerate of your family members and their kids to push this initiative to come up with this idea and actually if you're talking slides and presentations it wasn't just a speech you actually mm -hmm. you put some thought behind it you put some planning yeah. behind it that's my wife <laughs> well i think but that makes you sort of an exceptional relatives not not a lot of relatives uh, do that you would think that parents would want that education but i'll give you an example you have parents that will teach their children about bullying on the internet like cyberbullying they will teach them about how not to do that and how to avoid that they will teach them about the errors of social media and how if you put a picture out there that you don't like or you don't want people to see, it will stick with you for the rest of your life because the internet and social media is present in our everyday life. It's kind of like the Truman Show. We're all watching each other. But when you talk about finances, some people are scared. I think if you take a poll, most people don't want to know their credit score because they're afraid it'll be too low and they'll be ashamed of it. Most people are afraid to run their credit every year. And that's something we got to get over, you know, uh, especially minorities. You got to get over that because the better your credit, the better you're standing in life. I always say the worst thing on this planet is to have bad credit, right? Because that gets you nowhere. The best thing that you can have is good credit. And that's easy to get. All you got to do is pay your bills. And if you can pay your bills, that means don't make bills that you can't pay. It's just that simple. So that brings me to my next topic. What were some of the benefits you saw as a result of doing this with your kids? And I mean that um, not just comparing with other kids that didn't go through the same journey, but just how you were raised versus how your kids are getting raised. Yeah. So immediate personal benefit was the gratification of seeing the glare in somebody's eye when they get it. Right. And, and I saw that when I was teaching, you see that twinkle that says, damn, this person got it. Right. And you know that they're going to take that lesson and they're going to go somewhere with it. And you know that they're going to pass it forward. So versus comparing that to when I was a kid, my uncles, my parents, they never talked about finances. Finances was one of those things that, and, and of course, my parents were baby boomers. Right. So they never talked about finance. That's something that you didn't talk about with children present. And that type of stigma needs to be put to the side nowadays because millennials and, and Generation Z, they're requesting this information. So why not give it to them? You know, this is they want all the information they can get. This is something that they need. So why not give it to them? So I saw that that's the main difference that I saw when I was a kid. It just wasn't talked about. It was taboo. And, and, you know, things that are taboo are swept under the rug. Whereas now, when I when I talk to the, the, the children of today, they are very appreciative of the lesson. They're very willing to receive lesson and they're willing to pass it forward. My, my oldest daughter, she's an entrepreneur and she is all about where can I make my next buck? 
right? Mm -hmm. She's she's in the, she's in the Air Force Reserves and she is uh, a go getter, as I like to call her. And she's she's my baby girl. I always call her baby girl. But she's not a baby anymore. Uh, she is a go getter. You know, she's always looking for the next opportunity to earn and save money. I find that refreshing. So those are immediate benefits that I see. At the end of the day, the lesson that you teach has to be learned and it has to be carried out. We can only do so much. It's still up to that individual to carry that lesson into their daily life. And I've taught my kids all I can teach them. It's up to them to, to make the right choices in life, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is one of those examples. But if they never have that lesson, more than likely they're going to make the wrong choice. But if you instill that lesson, you can kind of calm your heart to know that they're not going to go out there and get you know $10,000 of credit card debt. They're not going to fall into some trap where somebody online is trying to offer them a loan and, and, and it's a scam. They're not going to fall into those those money pits. And I tell my kids all the time, I have a, a lot of sayings and they probably get tired of me saying things like this. Do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. Mm. It's just that simple. Have you had to fight that notion of them comparing what they have versus what their peers have? Because yes. their peers may be going into credit card debt that you don't know about. Right. And they may be buying, you know, fancy shoes, fancy cars, fancy whatever. Right. And your kids are actually doing smart things by managing their money. Yeah. Have you had to fight that notion with your kids sometimes to to reinforce the good things that they are doing and not compare? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a constant battle because you can't keep up with the Joneses, as they say. And it's a constant battle to reinforce that with children because they will always tend to look to the left and see what somebody else is doing. And, you know, my wife and I always try to tell our seven-year-old, don't worry about anybody else but yourself. You can only put one foot forward, right? You can't put two feet forward at the same time without jumping. And you don't want to jump into a bad mistake. It's very difficult to, to keep them away from peering eyes, right? So we, we, what we try and do is, is keep them focused on what they need to do and, and, and it's let them know that long-term, you are in a better position already than any of your peers. They may have their shoes or they may have a new dress. It's irrelevant. It's, it's not going to get them where they need to be, especially if it's coming out of their pocket. You know, most kids are dependent on their parents when they're teenagers to buy everything. They don't want to work, uh, which is unfortunate because I think a good work ethic in, in school and outside at a job instills these lessons that I'm also trying to teach, which is just hard work. You know, you, you have to you have to put in hard work in order to maintain your finances. It's not easy. There's a lot of temptation out there. And, and that temptation starts with your friends and it starts at home and it starts, you know, at school. You have to be able to avoid that. And that's that's difficult. It's not easy. And I, I, I understand that. My wife understands it. It's a situation where we don't fault them if they get temperamental about certain things. But at the same time, you can't get upset about it because that will will de derail everything that you're trying to teach. But good. OK, well. So let me bring this to a close and uh, ask you one of my favorite questions that I always like asking guests. If you could turn sure. back time and talk to your kid self, what would you <laughs> advise? What would you advise him about about financial oh, thought process? Wow, you really bring it home with that question. <laughs> I would say my advice would be talk to your parents about financial literacy, and if they don't want to talk to you, find a mentor, mm. uh, find someone that can step in front of you and, and trail a path for you about financial literacy. And don't make the mistake of uh, buying every new electrical gadget that you want. Good stuff. 
Well, thank you, Quantas, for being on the podcast. You've shared some amazing tips and advice. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the offer. Take care. The ideas, techniques, approaches, information, and opinions expressed in this video or podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Sotastic LLC and its employees. While the primary purpose is to educate and inform, it does not constitute professional advice or services. We hope, however, that the content presented here will assist you in developing a strong financial understanding and mindset. You may not edit, modify, copy, or redistribute this video or podcast with any other website, computer, or playing device. Use of this video or podcast constitutes acceptance of these terms.